All right, this works. Morning, everyone. Well, uh, so much rain this morning. Um, I'm glad we all got here safely and good to uh, worship with uh, everybody. We are going to talk about compassion this morning. We're going to talk about how to practice it, what it feels like when we do, and uh, what else we can learn to keep being better at being compassionate. And we'll see what we learned from the passage this morning. So we just actually read the passage, and um, the context is Mark chapter 1. Jesus is in the middle of building his kingdom, this kingdom that he has promised people that, that will come for hundreds of years. In Daniel, in Ezekiel, through different prophets in the Old Testament, it's been predicted over and over. And then 400 years of silence. God stopped the radio broadcast to the rest of uh, humankind for 400 years. No one heard, no one knew what's coming. Boom, all of a sudden, Jesus came after 400 years of silence. According to Mark, in the beginning of chapter 1, the very first messages that Jesus gave, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's not coming, it's here. It's at hand. And what does this kingdom look like? It's like a mustard seed that's going to grow. It's going to be like the branch on the vine that's going to grow. It's kind of like a little child who's going to mature. It's going to grow. It's going to grow. It's going to increase. It's going to expand. So what does that look like in reality? How can we see it? How can we feel it? How can we smell it? He went around healing people. Something special about Mark as a gospel. For the same account, if Jesus were teaching something, Matthew would elaborate what Jesus taught. In the book of Mark, he would just say, Jesus taught, period. But instead of that, Mark would expand on what Jesus did. He's painting Jesus as an action figure in the movie, always out healing people, teaching people. He's building his kingdom, and that's where we are. A very important part of building Jesus' kingdom, compassion. And this, he taught us how to do it in real life. We just read what happened to people with leprosy in the Old Testament, right? First of all, in modern days, the word leprosy, is it too loud? I'm hurting my own ears. Let me know if I'm shouting at you. The word leprosy is a synonym for Hansen's disease. But based on the description in the Old Testament, leprosy just covers a wide range of uh, skin disease. When you have some kind of uh, skin disease, in the Old Testament, people thought you were contagious. So not only is it a physical disease, 
It's a, you become the social disease. You are expelled from the marketplace. You cannot come to church on Sundays. You cannot hang out with your friends and your families. Whoever comes in close contact with you, right? Close contact may not be defined as uh, by the CDC, but by the scripture, you are excluded from hanging out. Speaking of fear of missing out when you have leprosy. You are completely cut off from the social society. Does that even make sense? Social society. You are completely cut off from the community. Okay. And by the time of New Testament, it was uh, commonly agreed by the rabbi that leprosy is, was just as difficult to perform as the resurrection. In the Old Testament, anyone want to guess how many times, how many accounts of uh, raising from the dead was in the Old Testament? A little more than zero. Uh, not, not Jesus, but you know, just raising someone, people from the dead. It's okay. It's okay to guess. It's, it's okay. Three. How, how did you know that? Okay, so it's a magic number. Three times in 1,500 years of record, three resurrections. How many times were leprosies healed in the Old Testament? You can try again. A little more than that. Two. Michelle is on fire today. <laughs> Good job. Yeah, did you read my slide? <laughs> three times for resurrection. Twice for leprosy. Throughout the Old, Old Testament, it's not easy. And leprosy, many diseases and illness can be healed and you'll be done. Leprosy, you gotta be healed and cleaned. Not only do you have to get better, you have to go to the temple, have the priest look at you and declare, you're okay. You can go back to school now. You can go back to work now. You can go to church again. You can go banking again. You can go to the market. You can see your family again. Until then, wear the torn clothes. Wherever you go, just shout, unclean, unclean. Stay away from me. I have leprosy. That's what happens to you. So this person with leprosy the huge anxiety from FOMO. He probably has heard of Jesus, this person who can heal, who's building a kingdom, finally saw Jesus in person. I don't know how he snuck into the crowd. He's not even, he's not supposed to show up where there are people, and yet he did. And not only that, he got close enough to Jesus. I mean, what do you got to lose? You're either always on the out, being socially marginalized. You might as well just try something. Reach out to Christ. And how did Jesus respond? With raw emotion. This is what I mean. We read just now, moved with pity 
Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. The word pity was an interpretation, an understanding of the original Greek. The original Greek actually means indignant. Jesus was angry. He was mad. Have you ever had that feeling before? You develop a, a sense of compassion for someone or for a condition so much, so strong, that you are actually angry at what happened to this person. The word compassion, kind, in Hebrew came from the same root as a mother's womb, a womb. Having a feeling, a sense of com compassion means the same as how a mother will feel for her children. Imagine a mama elephant, a mama bear, protecting her young, doing everything she can to protect her children. That's compassion. That's how we feel. But it's more than a feeling, isn't it? We have to act on that sense of compassion. Jesus could have stood away and just say, I will be clean. Stay away from me. But he went and touched the person and told him, I will be clean. Imagine what's going through uh, the leper's mind. So here's something that I want to share and I taught the middle schoolers this morning. Oftentimes, when you walk into a situation that requires compassion, believe it or not, that might not be the first emotion that comes to mind. When you, sometimes when I had to show compassion to someone who did me wrong, my first emotion was, you don't deserve my forgiveness. The emotion of compassion comes much later, if it comes at all. When I drove out of the shopping mall parking lot, I saw someone asking for money with a sign on the side. And I saw, hey, your, your uh, sneakers look better than mine. Mine are from Taylor. Yours look like Under Armour or something. This person does not deserve my compassion. And the next time when I want to, when I'm in the situation, I feel like if I show you compassion, that it's just gonna affirm that what you did to me is okay. I don't want to show you compassion. The sense of compassion comes much, much later. Jesus had a choice here. According to the scripture, he felt at least two things, a sense of compassion and a sense of anger. Now he has a choice to make. And we talked about that this morning. When you go through a stressful situation, oftentimes you have multiple emotions that you're going through, multiple frames of reference you can choose to operate to decide on your next action. Jesus chose compassion. Jesus chose to heal. And the action that he chose was to cleanse this person, to heal this person. 
bear this in mind. Next time, when you walk into a situation where compassion may be required and hasn't come to you yet, what did we learn this morning, the middle schoolers? It's okay, it's okay. Now go ahead, let's go. Yeah. Wait 10 seconds. Take three deep breaths. Settle your mind and ask this question. Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, I'm feeling something else right now. A lot of emotions. What do you want me to feel instead? What do you want me to do instead? Take your time. Just 10 seconds. And then Jesus healed this uh, leper. Told him not to tell anyone, but to go to the temple. And we will come back to the middle two verses at the end. I want to jump to the last two verses. He said to him, uh, okay, he said something to him and then sent him away. And then what happened next? This person, instead of doing what Jesus instructed him to do, he went out and did the exact opposite. And now because of that, Jesus no longer openly can now can no longer openly enter a town, but has to go to a desolate place. In other words, Jesus traded place with this leper. This leper used to have to stay in a desolate place, and Jesus was traveling from town to town. Now it's the opposite. The leper is healed, talking openly about what happened to him. And the word actually is the same word as preach. He preached about what happened to him. He announced what happened to him. And Jesus traded place with the lepers, has to go to desolate places. Another thing more, important, more importantly to notice, this marks the end of Jesus' preaching journey in the Galilee. This event stopped him. Starting next chapter, we have uh, five accounts of controversies, five accounts of conflicts between Jesus and the crowd. This event stopped what Jesus had to do. He had to change his plan because of what this leper did. Compassion has real-world consequences. It's not like, okay, I'm not going to be nice. I'm going to show compassion. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to be kind. And God is going to reward me for that. No. A lot of times, compassion can actually backfire on us. So how do we move forward? How do we continue to show compassion? knowing that we are not always going to be rewarded. I want to introduce the concept of a spiritual fitness. Can someone tell me, in terms of physical world, what's the difference between health and fitness? Is there a difference? Does anyone know? Any uh, fitness buffs? 
health, according to my understanding, is uh, declares a state of your physical being, right? Fitness, on the other hand, is very close. The two have a lot of overlap, yeah. But fitness also explains to what degree, what, what can you do, what can you perform. Now, something else that I learned. Many of the top athletes in the world, what made them good at what they do is more than how much, I mean, how fast, it's not about how fast they can run. It's not about how heavy they can lift. It's really about how well they recover. I believe this is a new concept introduced a couple of years ago, something called the exercise to failure. Have you heard that before? Exercise to failure. What that means is uh, if you're doing a, what's this called? Uh, a curl, bicep curl. You do it until your muscle fail, until you can no longer lift, until you can no longer curl, and then you wait. During that recovery time, your muscle build. Okay, that's called fitness. You know what, what I noticed in the spiritual realm? Same thing happened. You keep practicing compassion until you feel fatigued, until you feel like you couldn't do it anymore. Then it's okay. Take a step back, spend some time with God, and recover spiritually. Lo and behold, next time you have to show compassion, you notice your capacity actually expands. When Paul described the fruit of the Spirit, at the end he said, against such things, there is no law. You find things, you find ways to say yes to practice what this Bible instructed us. And when we hit our limit, we can be honest with, us, with uh, ourselves. There's so much I can forgive. There's so much, or my compassion tank is almost empty. I gotta take a step back and spend time with God and recharge. That's on the slide. You see one person's description, understanding of spiritual fitness. I'll give you some time to read and let that settle. You don't have to agree with it. Something for you to think about. What I really want you to do here is find ways to say yes to compassion. Practice it, learn from it, find your limit, come back when you have to, regroup and do it again. That's all there is to it. I promised uh, we will come back to the middle two verses, right? Something very interesting here. Jesus, in verse 43, sternly charged him. The same word means scolded. 
yell, that, that, that's the word that we use when we yell at someone who made a mistake. Not before they are going to make a mistake, but after they did that. But Jesus is talking as if he knew this person would do what he's about to do, and he scolded him. Do not tell anybody. Interesting, huh? And he sent him out, sent him away at once. Guess what? The Greek word, ekbalo, we saw it multiple times in chapter 1 already when Jesus cast out demons. Same word. Jesus cast out demons. <laughs> he cast out this person that he just saved. Violently, boom, throw this guy out the door. Side note, the same word showed up one more time in Mark chapter 1, when the Holy Spirit threw <laughs> Jesus out into the desert to be tempted. Same word, ekbalo. Very, very violent. It's like, don't tell anybody what just happened. Boom, threw you out. Picture that, Jesus in the raw. A lot of emotions, a lot of actions. Let's think on this a little bit, what this implies. If Jesus already knew what's about to happen, <sighs> he knew if he saved this person, this person would tell everyone else what happened. And what that means is he had to change his ministry plan. He had to stop visiting towns by going to desolate places and now he has a decision to make. Am I gonna save him or not? And remember, before we jump onto the thought that Jesus is God, that he has all the power, he can do whatever he wants. Remember, he intentionally limited himself by coming down to earth in a human form. That stopped him he had to limit himself. There's been a kenosis, a Greek word to describe Jesus emptying himself. There's a whole theology around that. So he is really trying to show us how this would work if he were 100% human. He subject himself to the same limitations in the world. So what can we learn from that? A decision has to be made. Compassion is not always easy. It can backfire on us. And we always have a decision to make. Are we going to be compassionate or not? And we all know what Jesus did in, um, in this case. Where is the reward in that? Where is the reward in showing compassion? I want you guys, I'm inviting you to think back a time where you show compassion and how did that make you feel afterwards? What motivated you to do it again the next time. 
there are a few, uh, actually a few verses um, on the slide. And I'll share more than one stories with you in my coaching uh, with uh, multiple clients. Oftentimes, they don't realize showing compassion is an option that they have on the table. They just thought whatever their the negative feelings that they're going through at that moment, right? That that's the one that they have. That's the only choice that they have. So they, in, in the other words, they don't really have a choice. They didn't even know that compassion is on the table. But as soon as they realize there's something better than anger, than revenge, than bitterness, as soon as they realize forgiveness and compassion is a choice, is an option that they didn't realize yet. You can see their body language totally changed. It's like they are freed from this bondage in the world. And I think as part of God's kingdom, to increase um, as a part of a Jesus kingdom, to expand, so is the freedom from bitterness, from revenge, from all those uh, negative emotions and framework that we are trapped to in this world. And choose compassion as part of the new freedom that we have in Christ. Luke 6, 35 to 36, but love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be compassionate, even as your Father is compassionate. I'll leave that for you to uh, think about. And um, whenever you're ready, maybe a minute or two, then we will resume our worship. You're still uh, 
reflecting, uh, feel free to keep reflecting. We're going to go into our song of response and I'll pray for offering after. <laughs> 